0: Some of you are probably thinking, I wonder if Mike was on medication when he chose that scripture from Leviticus. I mean, what, what kind of crazy preacher preaches a sermon from Leviticus of all books? I mean, this is a weird book. Some of it's really boring. Have you all read Leviticus before? Some of it's kind of embarrassing. Strange rules, these embarrassing laws, these boring lists. What in the world was he thinking? Well, the reason we're looking at Leviticus 19 this morning, and there is a reason, is because, believe it or not, in these verses are God's plans for our lives. It's in there. Leviticus 19 is a fascinating chapter in the Bible. It doesn't look so when you first read it. But if we dig just a little bit deeper and see what's going on, I think we're going to have a deeper understanding of God's expectations for us in our lives. If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to take them. You're going to need them today. This is one of those sermons where we're going to look at a lot of verses, So whether you have it in paper form or on your smartphone or your tablet, however you get the Bible. I am open to all forms of the Bible. All versions, so just take it because because you're going to need it today. You know the, the the first thing in Leviticus 19 that fascinates me is in verse two, and it doesn't look like it's very fascinating. He says, "For God says, For you, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy.'" Jesus basically says the same thing in Matthew 5:48. When he said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is imperfect," perfect. I mean, that's a tall order, isn't it? God's perfect, so why aren't you perfect? Yikes. God's holy, so why aren't you holy? My goodness. Who can live up to that? But if we look at this logically, if we look at this and it makes sense to us, see, in Genesis 126, We see that we're created in the image and the likeness of God. That's how God created us, in his image, in his likeness. And then when we know that, and we get to Leviticus 19.2, it says that God is holy. The implication of that is that in order to be human, as God created us, we're to be holy. Holy. To fully live a human life is to be holy. Now, to be holy is to live in the world with the eyes and the priorities of God. It's to have values that are different from the world's values. Because we've been taken out of the world. We have different. I mean, we've been made holy. We're separate. We're special. We're unique. The second thing we notice about this chapter that's really interesting is that it's full of things that God's people are to do and not to do. Now, how could I think that something like that is interesting? I'm glad you asked. None. let's be honest. Some of these things are a bit boring, okay? There's just a bunch of do's and don't do's that just seem to be thrown together. But I think if we look a little bit closer, we see that all these commands and things we're supposed to do and not do in Leviticus 19 aren't listed just haphazardly. There's a definite order and there's a a method to all of these instructions. For example, take a look at verse 3. Show respect for your father and your mother and observe the Sabbath. Now, if you went to Sunday school, you know that These are both commandments. These are two of the Ten Commandments, right? Honor your father and your mother so you may live long on the earth and observe the Sabbath day and make it holy. But in Leviticus 19, they're brought together. They're brought together. Doesn't it seem strange that these two are linked together in one sentence? Why does God do that? Maybe it's because we're called to honor both our earthly parents and our heavenly parent. See, the social well-being in the world is dependent upon the honoring of both. See, healthy earthly families provide social stability in the world. And healthy relationships with our heavenly parent Provides spiritual stability in the world. I mean, we can have all kinds of regulations and laws that make sure that we get along with each other and respect each other. Those are wonderful. But all the laws and regulations that governments set up get us nowhere unless there's a divine aspect to the society in which we live. That's what we see here in Leviticus 19. What Leviticus 19 shows us is that we need both vertical and horizontal relationships for society to be whole. And the third curious thing about this seemingly boring passage from Leviticus, see how I spend my life, I find all these things, is that there are two phrases that are repeated over and over and over again all throughout the chapter. In some verses in this chapter, God gives a command do something, don't do something. And then he ends that command with the words, I am the Lord your God. And then in other verses, God gives a command do this or don't do that. And then he just states, I am the Lord. What's the difference? Am I reading into this too much? Am I overthinking? I've been accused of that before. Why is the phrase, I am the Lord your God, not used in every instance? These are the things that keep me up at night. What is God trying to show us? What is it? Let's take a look. If we look at verses 3, 4, and 10. See why I need your Bibles this morning. Three, four, and 10. These are the ones that state, "I am the Lord your God." All right, so what are these verses dealing with? Well, they deal with mother and father and the Sabbath. We just talked about that one. not putting our trust in idols, and also deals with leaving some of the harvested crops for the poor and the foreigners among us. Take care of the poor. Take care of the aliens that are here. Now, these things have to do with the nature of our relationship with God. See, we we do or we don't do certain things because of our relationship with God. That's why it says, I'm the Lord, your God. Not just I am the Lord God, but I am the Lord, your God. God. For example, I don't make an idol and worship it. Why? Well, because of my relationship with God. I worship God. Why do I leave food for the poor and for the foreigners who were among us? Well, because my relationship with God extends out to others. See, doing or not doing things because of our relationship with God separates us from those who don't have a relationship with God. See, people who don't know Jesus can take care of people like we do. And I'm thankful that they do it. There are a lot of people with a lot of needs. But people who don't have a relationship with Jesus who take care of others have different motivations than we do. They take care of other people because it's the right thing to do. We take care of other people because our relationship with God has everything to do with it. Because our love for God extends to others. Well, then we get to that phrase, just, I am the Lord. Not your God on the end. Just, I am the Lord. So let's take a look at these verses. Some of these verses, and then, then, then there's more. Verses 12... 14, 16, 18. Now what do these verses talk about? These things deal with using God's name to swear a falsehood, mistreating people with disabilities, stepping on others to get to the top, seeking revenge, holding grudges. Those are some of the things that these verses talk about. See, these, ha- these verses have to do with our understanding of who God is. Why don't I misuse God's name? Well, because God is God. It disrespects God. Why don't I hold a grudge against somebody, as fun as that might be, and make us feel good about ourselves? Well, because God is a God who forgives. And since I'm created in God's image and called to be holy... I should forgive too. See, what we see here in Leviticus 19 is that these two phrases show us that holiness has two components. It's about who we are, and it's about who God is. Holiness is about who you know. It's about knowing who God is, and then by knowing who we are in relation to God. Because once we know who God is, then we know how to live our lives. Sometimes we get it backwards. See, sometimes we don't get this right. We want to serve the poor, take care of other people so that we can become holy. Holy. The truth is that we serve the poor because we're holy. We shouldn't read the Bible in order to become holy. We shouldn't pray in order to become holy. We shouldn't come to worship in order to become holy. We do these things because we are holy. Do you see the difference? See, a lot of people try to find fulfillment in their lives just by doing good things. And it's a trap. Because they'll never find contentment or fulfillment because it's never enough. Oh, we could always do more. If I'd only helped one more person. If I'd only done this. It's a life of regrets. Looking back, oh, I should have done that. We end up killing our souls in an attempt for God to be proud of us. That's the opposite of a holy life. Yet we have to remember that a life of holiness is a life that's separated, removed from the world. But yet, look at Jesus. Was he completely removed from the world? No, he wasn't. Jesus engaged the world. And that's the tricky part. Because to live a holy life is to be separated from the world without being isolated from it. Because how can we share the love of Jesus if we are just hands off? If we are not in the lives of others? Leviticus 19.19 gives us an example of of this. God explains this world separation this way. He says, you shall keep my statutes. You shall not let animals breed with a different kind. You shall not sow your field with two kinds of seed, nor shall you put on a garment made of two different materials. Oh my goodness, y'all. We used to have a cockapoo. Was she a sinful dog? She was half poodle, half cocker spaniel. Oh my goodness. We were living in sin with a cockapoo. Let us pray. No. Oh my goodness. I'm wearing a blazer today. I don't have it on now, but it's a wool blend. It's a sinful jacket. And I wore it to church. Oh my goodness. What about multi-grain buns? Oh boy. (laughs) This is not what God is talking about here. The point God is making is that if we're set apart with God from the world, we can't be woven together with the world. Jesus referred to this very thing in the Sermon on the Mount when he said we can't serve both God and money. We have to choose just one love in our lives. Maybe Cain's chicken has it right. One love. They're all about chicken, that's it. One love in our lives. But we have to remember that a life of holiness is not a life based in legalism. Well, if I'm holy, I can't do that, and 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 I better not ever do that. There are people going through life living that way. I don't have an iPhone. I don't drive a car because I'm holy. I can't have too much fun because we're holy. That's not biblical holiness. Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise from the dead so that we can live that way. you want a simple understanding of what holiness is? you want a real easy description? I mean, it's not mind-blowing, but it's the best I could come up with. Living a holy life is basically this. You ready for this? It's simply giving all that you have and all that you are to Jesus. That's holiness. That's what God wants from us. I mean, it sounds nice and churchy and all, but think about the implications of that. Giving all that you have and all that you are to Jesus. See, here's the reality. If we truly love Jesus with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, then all that the world has to offer is not going to mean that much to us. Because once we've encountered Christ, what else is, what can top that? So many of us are settling for less when God offers so much more. Is that for many of us, we're, we're spiritual bigamists. And I can't believe I just said that in church. We're married both to Christ and to the culture. And we can't do that. A life like that only leads to spiritual destruction. God doesn't want that for us. One of them has to go. We can't have both. And God respects us enough to give us the freedom to choose which one it's going to be. See, when we try to cling to both, when all that the world has to offer and all that God is, nothing good ever comes out of it because we're at odds with ourselves. Remember, God created us to be holy. And if we know that, Yet we're living a different way if living a holy life is just part of what it means to be human. There's a clash that brings distress inside of us. And that frustration and anxiety builds up inside of us until it explodes out of our lives and we take it out on other people. If you watch the news, you see how angry and mad people are right now? People are ticked off. They're angry. There are protests everywhere. You say something to somebody, they get their feelings hurt, and they're angry. Maybe people are so angry in our nation because we're living and promoting lifestyles and values that are contrary to how God made us. And it's tearing us up inside. Deep down we know what's right and wrong and so we take that inner conflict out on other people. I mean, if if we were created by God to be holy, why wouldn't we want that? There's a lot of us who have committed our life to Jesus but we haven't yet surrendered our lives to Jesus. And there's a big difference between the two of those. See, Christian holiness isn't just about our relationship with God. Well, I need to read the Bible more. It's about how we treat other people. You can tell a lot about somebody's relationship with Jesus by how they treat other people. It's right here in Leviticus 19. We can't be all lovey to God and then treat other people with rudeness or with a cold shoulder. People have needs, we help them. Our love for God extends to other people. Because how we love Jesus has everything to do with how we treat others. And how we treat others has everything to do with how we love Jesus. You can't separate the two. amazing what you can get out of a chapter in Leviticus praise be to God let's pray